talk with you about um, the weight of prayer is worth it. W-A-I-T. The weight of prayer is worth it. And I have a couple more minutes because I believe we're, we're good to go. Luke chapter 2, verses 25 through 32. Luke 2, 25 through 32. It says, now there was a man in Jerusalem, his name was called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. And he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. He was waiting for the, uh, for the comfort of the Messiah to come. And the Holy Spirit, notice, was on him. Check that out, young men and women. The Holy Spirit was on him. Verse 26, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, check it out, moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts where the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him what the custom of the law required. Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, notice that word, promised. We're going to hit that a few times here. As you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. So we see this guy, Simeon. Luke tells us the story about him. A man who had uh, received a very, very specific promise from God that he would not die until he saw the Lord's Messiah, and he was an old dude. Simeon lived his whole life waiting and praying and believing for God to fulfill that promise. His whole life. Simeon is old here. And finally, one day, one day, after all of these old years, one day, he sees the promise from God come true in his life. Simeon, though he was not a prophet, nonetheless, the scripture says he was a righteous and devout man. He believed, though his days had become shorter and his years were becoming longer, he believed, he trusted, because God had promised him something. And he was believing him that one day that was going to come about. Now, when God promises you something, Are you like me and you're hoping to get it pretty soon, like maybe the next day? You know, I'm one and then I'm one and then. I'm going to talk with you about that. I have a little analogy from that. So what is it that we can learn and what is it that all of us can benefit from um, the promises that God had given Simeon? What is God speaking to you in terms of promises? Has God spoken anything to you about a promise? Has he promised you something and you're waiting for it? Or you're looking for God to promise you something so that you can have it and, and, and rely on it and, and, and kind of use it as an anchor as you move through life? What is it that you want him to say about your calling? What, God, what is it that you want? What am I supposed to do? Where am I supposed to go? How am I supposed to do it? 
In what capacity am I supposed to do it? Am I supposed to be in the ministry? Am I supposed to be a pastor? Am I supposed to be a worship leader? Am I supposed to be a missionary? Am I supposed to be an evangelist? Am I, what, is my, what am I supposed to be? Hopefully, our hope is that in the fall, we'll have another degree, and that'll be business. Maybe some people will want to be involved in that. And like, what is that, God? What's my calling? What is my calling, God? Or I'm, I'm looking for a spouse. Some people have found their spouses. A lot of people are getting married around here. And Cassie and Sam, even more so, right? Does it ever stop? <laughs> it never has in this place. I can't think of a better place to look. I want a spouse. I want the right spouse. I want to be able to make sure he or she is the person that God wants. You know, in all of the divorces and everything that's going on, and perhaps maybe in my own life with my parents, I want the right person. God, what is, what is the problem? Give me a promise about the right person. I have people say, I was a, what I did a lot of was crisis marriage therapy. And um, people would go, well, how do you know when you're falling? They would come to me sometimes. Go, how do you know if that person's the right person? How, how do you know if you really love some person? How do you know? I mean, just what, what, they make it so complicated. I mean, I just want to know. I just want to know. I just, I just, I don't know whether he, she, me, me. I'm not, I, I, I think, but I'm not sure. How do you know when you love some person? <laughs> well, I could ask the people that are married here, but. You just fall in love. You can't take your eyes off that person. Your heart about beats out of your chest and comes up your throat. It, you just find that if you got 100 people in a room, the only person that you're seeing is that person. Something goes off. Now, hopefully, the other person feels the same way. <laughs> if I've known people that they haven't at all. And yet, they eventually did fall in love with that person. It's not that difficult. It can become if you have a lot of anxiety. Like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure. It's always good to seek counseling. How about the issues in your life? What is the calling? What do you believe in God for? Uh, what's the promises God has? Maybe, maybe you carry some issues. Maybe there are problems in your life, and you're wondering, you know, Lord, you know, can you, I'm believing you. You promised that I would not have this problem. You promised that you would, you know, stick with me. Help me. Maybe your health. Maybe biophysically or something. Or physically you have some issues. What is, what is the promise that God spoke to you about that? Finances or family or your future or any of these things. <clears throat> There's questions. Um, or how about maybe spiritually? I have problems believing God. I will never leave you nor will I ever forsake you. I've made you promises. The promise is I will never leave you and I will never forsake you, Hebrews 13. Yeah, but I have a problem with that because sometimes I think he's not with me. Sometimes I just, I don't know. What is it about God's promises? Okay, a couple things about Simeon. What can we learn from Simeon when it comes to these things? Number one, Simeon was patient. Simeon was patient. Habakkuk chapter two and verse three says, for the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. That's a lot of waiting right there. How many find it 
really easy with no problem to wait. I'd, you know, but not me either. You're hungry. You haven't eaten in, in like hours and hours and hours and hours. Some of you haven't eaten maybe in 15 minutes. <laughs> and you, you just can't help it. Somebody just brought one of the best smelling pizzas you've ever had or ever smelled in your entire life. COVID left you. You can now smell and you see, and you smell this pizza, and it's just coming up. It's going through the door. It's going through the walls. You haven't eaten in a long time. It's cheesy. It's nice. It's got your, you got everything you like on it. And of course, you wait. It's not a big deal. I'll let them go first. I went down there one time in the dorm. Somebody said, "Come on down, Doctor Obi. Got some pizza here, down here, right? Come on down. They got some pizza." They said. I said, "Thank you for inviting me." So one down, there was one piece left. And that had been picked over. The cheese, half the cheese was gone. I said, well, I said, well no, thank you. Don't worry about that. I just, they couldn't wait. Got a hold of it. Sorry, brother. You know, God helps those who help themselves. <laughs> That's not biblical, by the way, but it does sound like it is. <laughs> So they wait. Appointed times. Exodus, I don't believe I have this here, but Ray can write it down. Exodus chapter 9 and verses 5 and 6. Exodus 9 verses 5 and 6. It says, then the Lord, oh, I do have it. Excuse me. There it is. Then the Lord appointed a set time saying, tomorrow the Lord will do this thing in the land. I will do it. I will do it in the land. And the next day the Lord did it. All the livestock of the Egyptians died and not one of the animals that the Israelis had died. Not one. He said, I'll do it, and he did it, because he appointed a set time for this. Daniel chapter 8, verse 19, and he said, look, I am making known to you what shall happen in the latter time of the indignation, or basically that was the anger of God. God was upset at them. For at an appointed time, the end shall be. And it was. God eventually backed up from his anger. It seems like the Israelites are always messing up, and God was always angry. But he backed up from his anger, and he lifted his anger at some point. Psalms chapter 27, verse 14, wait for the Lord and be strong. Wait, look for hope, expect, be eager for the Lord and be strong. And let your heart take courage, wait for the Lord. Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive <clears throat> adoption as sons. Promises from God. Hear me, hear me. Patience is not simply the ability to wait. It's how we believe while we're waiting. That's the important part. Patience isn't simply just sitting around waiting. I'm just, I'm just waiting. I'm waiting. Oh, come on, God. Give it, give it, give it, give it, give it, give it, give it. It's how I believe while I'm waiting. It isn't coming maybe exactly when I would like it. That's the hard thing to do with anybody. Anybody that says, oh, it's no problem. I can wait all day long. I know it's a million bucks. Or I know it's a great thing's happening. I'm, it's all right. I have no problem with waiting. I'll tell you what. I need to stop lying. Have you ever prayed for something, <clears throat> um, and um, 
It just not happen in a timely manner. It's not happening in your time. So somehow you think, well, you know, I know it's the will of God, so, and he's busy. He's got so many things to do with so many people. Maybe I can just help him out a little bit. Maybe I can uh, speed it up a little <laughs> because it's going to happen anyway. So why don't I just help him? Uh, <clears throat> I did this thing years ago when I was pastoring in Delaware. Uh, a lot of you kids, or young men and women, excuse me, uh, might not um, remember this. How many over here remember DeGarmo and Key? Okay, the, the, Dr. Case doesn't because you weren't here probably. Or maybe you were here, but you weren't in the Christian rock and roll, were you? Okay. <laughs> um, I don't know whether there's anybody. There was a Christian rock group called DeGarmo and Key, Eddie DeGarmo and Dana Key. At any rate, I used to have a radio program called Rock Alive over the CBN radio network in Salem, Radio and we used to just interview a lot of people and, and gospel music awards in Nashville, and, and I, I, we did a lot of interviewing. I didn't really have that many of those friends because you just interview them, and that's just it. But I ended up getting a relationship with Dana Key. He was a very, very great guy, good, good guy. Dana Key was a, his, his great, great, great grandfather was Francis Scott Key who of the Star Spangled Banner. Um, and um, we, we built up a relationship. Just a nice guy, great musician, ended up being a pastor. Um, went to, uh, he was just a, one of the nicest godly men you ever met. He died very prematurely of a blood clot in his leg, and it was just horrible. But the, the fact is, uh, uh, I, was do, I was doing some speaking, and, and uh, I had the radio program, so I thought I'm going to do this thing called Impact Weekend. Uh, the program was popular in some places more than others. So I talked with people in Michigan. I talked with people in New Mexico. We went to California. We went to Florida. All you know, different places where the, where the radio show was a little more popular. I thought, I'm going to get these things called Impact Weekend. And I'm just going to, I'll do the speaking. And we'll, we'll get up with pastors. We'll have them just coordinate it. We'll have their young people come to a specific camp that we'll rent. And, and then uh, the, ki- the kids will come. We'll pay them a certain fee. We'll have uh, some counselors for them. And we'll also, Dana will do the music. And I'll just do the speaking. And he'll also do some speaking too. And then we'll sing a couple things together. So it was, was kind of cool. I thought, man, this is really going to be wonderful. Uh, and it's, the kids are going to benefit from it. They're really going to grow in the Lord. So I, I thought, man, I'm getting this thing all together, talking to pastors you talk to pastors, <laughs> and they'll, uh, they, they're very well-meaning sometimes, but then they forget, oh, I had this thing. So we got this date going in different places, and I got this date going, and the pastor said, yes, I met with 30 of them or more, and we're going to do it. That's fine. You can do the camp. Yeah, this is a year in advance. And then we're going to uh, have, the, have the impact weekend with you and Key. And so it was good. It was fantastic. And my wife kept saying to me, do you, wait a minute, just, you know, Maybe you should slow down here a little bit because, you know, I was a pastor. And she said, <laughs> I hate to say this. She said, you know pastors. <laughs> you know pastors. Sometimes they forget. And I said, ah, oh, honey, there's no way in the world God promised this thing. It was like, oh, no, I'm into it. We're going to have it. And so we had, you know, I'm getting prepared. Dana got the airplane tickets. I'm, you know, got the camp. It's reserved, everything. <clears throat> and so about uh, four, months, four months prior, we reminded them once, I'm getting them ready. The pastor's, okay, remember, here's the date. You're going to bring so many of your kids. Oh, I forgot. We have something here with our denomination. Oh, denomination. Oh, I forgot. 
<clears throat> the kids had this going on, and I forgot about it. Oh, I forgot. You know, uh, we had planned a ski resort thing with our And all of a sudden, all my kids are shrinking, shrinking, shrinking. And I don't have hardly anybody. My wife had said, you might want to just think about taking another year and just kind of working this. Nah. Well, to make a long story short, I put a bundle of money into this thing, and I lost it on something that I felt was a promise of God. And my wife's not the kind of person that says, I, I told you so. But she will give you the look. When you, get, when you get the look from your wife, you'll find out. When you get the look from your wife, there's a certain look once you get a chance to know, right? There's a certain look they give you, and it's like you just freeze like a pillar of salt. Because it was her money too. And so I, I blew it and I said, it's, you know, I didn't wait. I did not wait. And I had to pay all that money back. And uh, uh, it was not a good thing for me. It took me a couple years to do that. But I didn't wait. And as a result of that, I thought it was something that it really wasn't. God promised to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 and verse 3. God promised to Abraham that he would... Be the father of many nations. This is a little funny, to be honest with you, because he doesn't even have a kid. And he's an old, old man, and his wife Sarah is an old, old woman. And he's going, I'm going to be a father of nations. I don't even have a son. How can I be a father of many nations? In Genesis chapter 15, verses 3 through 6, it says, And Abraham said, You've given me no child. So a servant is going to end up taking, being the heir of all I have. I don't have nothing. I have no child. Then the word of the Lord came to him and said, this man will not be your heir, but a son whom is of your flesh and of your blood, he will be the heir. He took him outside, God did. He said, count the stars if you can even count the stars. Count them. He said, count them all. Your lineage is going to be like the stars. He said, your offspring are going to be that many. I promise you. That's pretty crazy. He's a really, really, really old man. His wife is no spring chicken. And they're going to have a a child. And it's kind of funny. But Abraham believed, the scripture said. He believed, and the Lord counted it to him as righteousness, because that was as good as it got back then. He counted it to him as righteousness. And then Genesis 18 Verses 10 through 14, Genesis 18, 10 through 14. Then uh, one of them, there were three, peop- three men who were talking to him, to Abraham. Some feel it was the Trinity that came down. Some people feel it was three angels. No, no one really knows it was something divine. So three of these guys. And they said, I'll surely return to you about this time next year and Sarah, your wife, or have a son. I promised. See, when I was doing the... When I was doing the you know, Impact Weekend, I called it a promise, but I, I wanted it more than anything else. And it wasn't God. God showed me. I really got to watch those things. But God said here, I promise. Now, Sarah was listening at a distance to the tent, which was behind him. And Abraham and Sarah were already very old. And Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So when you're that, when you're that old and somebody says you're going to have a baby, what do you do? You've got to be kidding me. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, 
after I'm worn out, this, this is just interesting when he say that, after I'm all worn out and my Lord is old and now I'm supposed to have this pleasure of having a child? You've got to be kidding me. And then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Saying, um, will I really have a child now that I'm old? Say it with me. Is what? Now, come on, young men and women. I, you gotta, I want you to have every bit of gut, because this has to do with you. Every bit of gusto you can do it. Say it again. Is anything too hard for the Lord? You name me one thing that's too hard for God, and I will have Guy Gabriel take you out to the most expensive restaurant you've ever had in your life. And don't say lying, because that's the one thing God can't do. So we'll get that out of the way. He'll take you on his charter jet to... Miami or something. You're going to get a lot of people talking about you. I can tell that. Is anything, he said, too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. It was a promise that God had given him, but neither Sarah nor Abraham were patient in knowing what God was promising her. And Sarah suggested that Abraham go ahead and, and, and have a child with Hagar, uh, Sarah's uh, handmaid. Well, it's not, so that, you know, I promise you, if I'm hearing like audible voices saying, Fred, listen, I'm going to restore Spencer in three weeks. And it's, it's like resounding and people all over the campus come out and just go, whoa, what? I'm hearing noise. What? What's the, I'm, you know, and then I go, well, you know, I don't know. I believe, but I'm not sure. I don't know. What, what does it take to believe God? They believe God. It was Abraham believed, and God counted to him as righteousness. But now they're just going, Sarah's going, just have a child with another woman because my handmaiden, because it's just, how, I don't know. How can this happen? But from that very act of disbelief with Sarah, that very act of disbelief, Ishmael was born, which formed the Muslim nation. And to this very day, they hate Israel. And their main goal in life is to destroy them and kill them, every single one of them. That one act of disbelief. Isaac was a promise from God, but Abraham and Sarah could not wait for that promise. It is not always in the now. But when God speaks to you, you must believe. You must believe. Um, on the other hand, Simeon was very patient. He was a patient guy. He waited for the appointed time of the promise, and as a result, he received the reward that God had for him. This has a lot to do with you in waiting and believing for the promise of God. He's, he's either giving you promises, and I'll guarantee you he's going to give you promises. You're young men and women. You have a lot of living to do, and God's going to, you're going to think God promised you some things, and it really isn't, and then God's going to promise you some things, and you're going to know it's God. You have to be able to distinguish the voice of God. Hear the voice. I thought I was hearing the voice of God with the impact weekend. I wasn't hearing it. I was all caught up in myself. And I learned from that. I paid for that. But then I've also heard the promises of God. And I've seen them come true. I'm going to share one with you. 
You can't induce God's timing. You can't induce it. If you try to induce God's timing, you are going to be a very discouraged and, a, and at times a very confused young man or woman. Well, it's just, you know, like me with that thing. You can't, you can't make it happen if God doesn't want it to happen. There's an appointed time with God, and our part is to wait, and that's the most difficult thing that we have to do. But if we don't wait, it's not put into place to the extent that God has it for you so that he can bless you and, and many times bless others as a result of that. Number two, Simeon had perseverance. Perseverance, steadfastness. Why? Because he believed. And not only did he believe, he anticipated. He was looking forward to it. Have you ever anticipated something? Just waited for it? How many have a sweet tooth? I mean, for real now. Come on. How many have a sweet tooth? All right, thank you very much. And maybe your mom made a cake or she made that pecan pie or whatever. I don't know what, something and you smelled it and, and she said she's going to do it. Mom, would you make me a special something? Yeah, she's going to. And you smelled it, but it wasn't ready yet. It wasn't ready yet. I remember when I was a kid, my mom would bake a cake. It was normally a box cake. She wasn't the kind of person that kind of made it from scratch. And, and, uh, but I remember it was cooking in the oven, and sometimes I would just go in. She'd always say, don't jump, because if you jump, the cake will fall, I guess. I didn't know what that meant, but I, I, I tiptoed because I wanted the cake to look good. And I would go in, and she would, I would just take, in the stove, I would take a little piece of it. And one time I took a little piece, and the thing fell. It was like air was in it. Just went, one side, I went, ooh. And I, but I ate that thing, and uh, I just, and then she said, who, who touched the cake? Who touched the cake? The one part of the cake is all busted. It's all fallen Then Who touched it? <laughs> Albert, did you touch it? No, I didn't touch it, Mom. Barry, did you touch it? No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't touch it. <laughs> then it must be Fred. <laughs> he touched the cake. And he half killed it. I anticipated it, but I was wrong. I couldn't wait for it, you see. So I had to have it. If you have AD, you're ADHD, you know what I'm talking about. I got to have it, and I got to have it now. Um, it says in, in Luke chapter uh, 2, 26 and 27, we already read it. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit, this is Simeon that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. And then it says something very, very interesting. It says, moved by the Spirit. That's different than me being moved in the flesh. Moved by the Spirit, prompted by the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. He, all of a sudden, it just like something grabbed him, and he just thought, i, I got to move. Something's, something's on me. The Spirit of God was on him, it said. And he was looking for the Messiah. He was anticipating. He hadn't come to it yet, but something was like leading him, just pulling him into this place. After all of these years, all of these years waiting, all of a sudden he was moved by the Spirit. Simeon wasn't concerned about the timing throughout the years. He wasn't concerned about the timing throughout the years because he was focused on the promise. When you're focused on the promise, you can let go of the timing. If he promised you, he will do it. Trust him. 
The timing becomes less important when the focus is on the promise. If he were focused on the timing, that would have weakened his faith and weakened his hope. Because there's really discouragement in, 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 um, in wanting and not getting. And you know what that's like. I want, I want, and I don't get. The Holy Spirit was on Simeon, the scripture says, was on him. Notice, this is what God wants to do in you. So much so that he was moved and was prompted by the Spirit to visit the temple courts. And it was there, right there, that God's promise became a fruition for him. And he saw, he saw the Lord's Messiah. After all of those years, God said to him, you will not die. And he basically said, God, I've seen seen your Lord's Messiah. Take me home. And he did. Take me home. I'm done. This is so awesome. An analogy. Uh, I was, uh, so, you know, I was raised Catholic and I went to Debbie's church, which was the United Methodist Church, and then we ended up going across the street to this place called Gospel Assembly, which is, was pastored by a woman, Olga Bronson, who was an Elam pastor. And um, I had never heard about Elam. So um, we got there and my life changed. It was awesome. It's filled with the spirit. Great things were happening. And uh, there was, a, there was a, a, a prophet that came through. His name was Mickey Mingo. Do you remember Mickey Mingo? You remember, the, you remember Mickey Mingo? You do, Stacy, don't you? <laughs> so that was, that was Mickey Mingo. There were some people who would say that very thing, unfortunately. And, and it, it applied. And then other times, they would say he was an unbelievably awesome guy. Because when he was on, he was scarily on. But when he was off, he was so far out in left field that you couldn't take it. Well, this time, I had never met the guy. I, you know, I've just come out of a, a denominational church. So I have this guy, like a wild man, running around, screaming, yelling, jumping on pews, slobbering all over the day, pra, 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 preaching. You need, a, you need an umbrella in front of you. And so this guy is beginning to... I never heard anything like this, but I liked it. <laughs> and so he's prophesying over people. And just Debbie and I, she was pregnant, actually, with her first son. And, and um, he looked at me like some kind of a banshee with a wild eye, almost like John the Baptist. He, just, he's, he's like, he had this, like, he was like zeroing in on, on, his, on his tuning. He's looking at people, and he goes, you! <laughs> you scared me to death. He goes, come up here. You ever seen like the, uh, uh, the Wizard of Oz, the, 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 uh, the uh, scarecrow, when he tries to get up and he's falling all over the place? And all? That's what I felt when I was going to the altar. And, and he, said, uh, he said to me, he said, listen, your feet will hit the shores of many nations, and where your feet touch, revival will start. God is raising you up to be a repairer of the breach, the restorers of the streets in which you dwell. He is going to raise you up with the voice of a counselor, and you will... Speak life into many souls. Well, I was ready. Right then. I thought, that night it's going to happen. This is going to happen. Or it's at least going to happen tomorrow. I just can't wait. I told Debbie, I said, this is it. This is it. This is a calling. I'm stoked. I said, let's go. I didn't, hadn't been to Elam. I didn't know any, you know, just really didn't know a whole lot about it. I said, it's going to happen tomorrow. I know it is. Right, let's get ourselves ready. Let's get packed up and, and, and get ready to go someplace because we're going to go to many nations. And Olga Bronson, um, 
she took the church over because there was an issue with her husband years before. It was one of these early 1940s churches, I guess. Uh, and she's great, wonderful. She was from, um, she was from, um, uh, she was from the Eastern Bloc nation. She wasn't Polish, but she was, uh, what's the one around you? Ukraine. That's it. It was exactly where she was from. She was Ukrainian. Very, very wonderful woman. She came up to me, and she pulled me aside, and she said, listen. And she, she opened, had a pocket, and she opened my pocket, and she pretended to put something in it, and she went like that, and she backed up, and she said, listen to me. Very soft-spoken woman. That word will not come about for years and years and years from now. I'll never forget that because I was very discouraged. <laughs> I thought, this can't be happening. Sister Bronson, you've got to be wrong. Okay, maybe, maybe, maybe not tomorrow, but maybe next week. And, and so I'm, thinking, I'm waiting, I'm waiting for all this to happen. It never, never happened. And then all of a sudden, years and years and years later, it began to happen. And I remembered the prophecy. My, I was beginning to go to other nations, and wherever I went, by the grace of God, there was revival. People were filled with the Spirit. Things were moving. Uh, souls came to Christ. Young people came to Christ in different countries, in your country. And uh, it was just an amazing thing. And then I go back to college, and I become a counselor. And I got a chance to counsel thousands of people in different states, in different ways, and I've seen the glory of God move in that. That took time. I had to wait for that until years and years later. It doesn't always happen immediately, but you got to know if you hear from God and he's made a promise, it'll happen. Let me kind of bring this to a close here, wrap it up a little bit. It was prompted by the Spirit. It happened years later. But it happened. Know that. It may not happen immediately. Perseverance, believing, and Holy Spirit sensitivity all go together for the most part. Hearing from the Holy Spirit breaks, listen, mm. <laughs> there it is. Hearing from the Holy Spirit breaks through the ordinary into the unordinary, the outside the ordinary realm. God wants you to be unordinary people. Moving in the giftings and the callings that God has placed in you. Don't just move in the ordinary. Trust God to move outside the ordinary. Because it's outside the ordinary where God moves and people can believe him. Because outside the ordinary, and then that's a place where some people would go, you're crazy. That's not going to happen. You're crazy. He spoke that to you? Yeah, he did. God's spoken to me things throughout my life. God's spoken to me things about this campus that I'm believing God for. I will not put those aside because he promised. And I've seen God do exploits as a result of that. Not everyone is going to understand. Not everyone has the capacity to understand the out of the ordinary. And there are some out of the ordinary young men and women right here. Don't think for one second that God isn't going to take care of you. Don't think for one second that God isn't going to take care of your health. Or he's not going to take care of the spouse that you're supposed to have. If you've been discouraged because... You fell in love and now it's hurting or the person is no longer there or, uh, you know, or, you know, or what am I supposed to do with my life? Now I'm really confused. That's okay. That stuff happens. But when God speaks, you're not here for nothing. You're not here so that you can just, you know, I'm, I'm here so that I can mop a floor and, you know, uh, 
McDonald's someplace, that's, that's the, the, the course of what I'm doing. Not that mopping a floor is bad. It's nothing wrong with that. But God's called you to the unordinary ministry for the sake of leading people to Christ in a way that will meet them in their need at their time. Very quickly in Acts 13, I'm just going to paraphrase this. In Acts 13, we see Paul and Barnabas are together. They're wanting to uh, share the gospel to uh, um, to um, uh, the pro- proconsul Sergius Paulus, who was actually um, connected to Claudius, the Roman Empire, the Roman Emperor, and they, but he was a false prophet, Bar Jesus, they called him, and uh, he was basically trying to keep Paul and Barnabas from leading this proconsul to this, this this man of authority to Christ. He didn't want to have anything to do with it, and so he's he's a sorcerer, and so Paul. The scripture says, filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight into this guy's eyes and said, you are a child of the devil and an enemy in everything that's right. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. You will never stop or you're trying to pervert the gospel and going into these people and having this proconsul receive Christ. That's not going to happen. Now, the hand of the Lord is against you, and you're going to go blind for a while, and you're going to see the power of God. And immediately, there was a mist that came into the darkness, and uh, the man was having people, you know, kind of steer him around because he couldn't see. And when the proconsul saw this, he saw the miracle, he accepted. He believed. The scripture says he believed because of the miracle of God. Paul was persistent while being filled and led by the Holy Spirit. It was his timing in seeing the power of God overcome enemies who were trying to confuse people to not receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. Like Simeon, the Holy Spirit was on him to accomplish the task that God had. You're going to be praying this week, and you're going to be asking God some of these questions. What is it, God? What is it? What am I to do? I did it right over there. Some other people did it over there. I can ask some of the staff, where was I at during time of prayer? I, would, I was over here. I, would, I was over there. I remember I would pray. This, it was the other carpet. It stunk like crazy. I remember all kinds of bad feet all over it. People were spilling things. They had their drinks all over. Yes, I am a little obsessive about the carpet. Okay, I got that already. But they were, every, were all in different places, believing God for something that would happen, that God would speak to our hearts and promise us something. You're going to hear from God this week. Almighty God is going to speak to some of you so definitively and so clearly When he does that and he deposits that in your heart, believe it. In particular, if it has to do with a call. Get it confirmed. Talk with people. Yes, talk with mentors. That's good to share. It's wonderful. But if God has spoke that to you, you must believe it because it's your time. It's your time.